It was a dark night in mid-October in Dallas, Texas. Three amazingly beautiful, hilarious siblings to Shay, Sage, and Storm walk into a bar. From behind the light of a single candle, as the drinks begin to flow, so do the stories. And as per usual, they turn dark very quickly. Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of Three Siblings Walk Into a Bar. I am Storm, the youngest sibling. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I haven't done this in a while, leave me alone. <laughs> I'm Shay, the oldest sibling. And I'm Sage, the middle sibling. We're back! We're After back! After years, it feels like. I know, I had um, my mentor, she was like, I, I've listened to everything up till now and I don't have anything else to listen to. Y'all need to hurry up. And I was like, we're working on it. Listen, we planned on coming back last week and then there uh-huh. was like a family ordeal. So there just, there was, mm-hmm. it wasn't going to work. Mm-mm. And then this week we're back and we're ready to rock and roll. It's a new year. How was everybody's Christmas? And every, I mean, we haven't, I mean, we've talked about it obviously because we we're related, anybody. but we haven't yeah. been able to tell everybody else how all of our things went. Uh, we Christmas was Christmas. Yeah. It was just it went by too fast this year. It did. It also didn't really feel like Christmas because it was warm. It didn't, and you know, I just feel like in general, like the Christmas season just didn't hit the same this year. Yeah. And it was, I was kind of one of those, like, I was just glad it was over. Like, I was like, okay, I'm ready to start not yep. having to deal with Christmas. <laughs> but then that time between Christmas and that. New Year's is just so depressing. Yeah. Because yeah. it's like, Definitely. what the hell do we do now? You know? Cry. That's what I did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you cry over all the debt you went into for yeah, Christmas. <laughs> Literally. And cry about all the, all the things I'm going to say I'm going to do next year, but I already know before it's even the New oh Year that God. I'm not going to do. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! So over all those videos, and then I'm like, "Oh my gosh!" Oh, I know. No, please forgive. I have all my cricket stuff back here, so I'm sorry. Oh, she's crafty. Just ignore it. And I got my little treadmill too. (laughs) Should I get on it and walk on it? Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yes. That's how we're gonna do it from now on. Anyway, it's freezing cold here. I, you mm-hmm. northern people are going to laugh at us, but it is 11 degrees here, and I'm pretty sure all my fingers are going to fall off. I literally have my heated blanket, yeah. and I'm like, <gasps> yeah. I'm sitting next to a window. I'm going to die. It's, it's fine. ridiculous. Yeah. This guy walked into the shop today, and he was in a t-shirt. What? And I was like, Stop. dude, what are you doing? Mm. And he was like, it's fine. I'm from Chicago. And I was like, I don't care where you're from. It's 11 degrees outside. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't. I don't care. It doesn't matter. It's not like it's like 62, like, oh, you know, like it's 11. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no matter where you are, 11 degrees is cold. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you mm-hmm. see like somebody that I used to go to high school with? Um, she had posted stuff on her um, stuff that like in Colorado, it's like negative 12 or something. And I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. no. but at least they're getting the yeah. snow and stuff. Like we were supposed to get some and it doesn't look like we're going to get any. No, we're it's just going to freeze to dead. Really and then that means everybody cold. has to go to work and die yeah. in the cold. Mm-hmm. But it's mm-hmm. fine. Yep. It's fine. Everything's mm-hmm. fine. It's going to be great. Anna already started falling apart. We, uh, As it? Yes. We had, like, last night, it was, it was 20 degrees. It didn't even hit, like, the cold, you know, the cold yet. And mm-hmm. it was, like, people, uh, a whole section had their electricity went out. And mm. then... People in our neighboring town 
had their gas went out, which is mostly what yeah. our houses are for heat and mm -hmm. stuff. So I'm like, if you don't have gas, you don't have heat. And I'm like, oh my Lord, they better come on. Yeah, that's so, so I went yeah, out exactly. today. I went to um, Trader Joe's. Shout out. And <laughs> do you own one? No. Sponsor. Yeah. <laughs> we love you. <laughs> I, um, so I went out there and then, so there's a, in the neighborhood across the, you know, across the big street that we live on, mm -hmm. there was a house fire. Oh, and no. I was like, and like you could really it. see it, like all the smoke and stuff. I'm like, oh no, I bet they were like had a fire going or something, you know, or like because yeah. it's so cold and you just, oh, it was so sad. I hate that. Like it was we, really close to us. <clears throat> Our old neighborhood, I mean, like three houses down from us, there was a fire, and I mean, we moved, and even <clears throat> when did we move? When did we move out of that house? July, maybe June. Doesn't really matter, so I guess. Good. But anyway, it's <laughs> now, it's still not even like being repaired. Like, really? It's still just, and I don't know if it's <laughs> like an insurance thing or what, maybe. but I'm like, that I would hate to have to deal with. Like, that would just be so oh, sad. It's just terrifying. Mm -hmm. It's terrifying. Yeah. It's so sad. Yeah. Oh. Did you hear Madeline? No. Mm -mm. Okay. As long as y'all don't it's hear. Mom she's just screaming. It's fine. <laughs> she's screaming. Oh. She's pissed. Um, it's fine. Everything's fine. Her dad's out there. He can deal with her. Um, <laughs> so before I start this story, it's one I've wanted to do for a long time. And um, honestly, I should have probably made it into a two-parter because there's a lot of information, but I didn't. I wanted to just keep it all together. So there are parts of it that are um, not in great detail or not every single part of it is in there. So after I tell it, go, there's like 47 other podcasts that have done this story. Um, 48, first 48, what is it? Hold on. I'm going to click my button. The first 48 hours, 48 hours. 48 mm. hours. Um, they did an episode, um, all sorts of things. I'll tell you all the names of where I got all my stuff and after I tell the story, because if I tell you now, it's going to give all the juicy details away. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so go, this story has fascinated me. I hate saying that. I really do. I know it's, I just don't have any other word to describe it. Mm -hmm. And I also, I told, um, Deshay, I, you all know I'm not good with names. I can't ever remember names, but I remember the story and I remember everything about it and I really wanted to tell it. So <laughs> I murder, I murdered, I Googled, <laughs> I murdered people so that I could do what he did. <laughs> uh, oh my God. So Guys. I, uh, I, <laughs> I Googled murder buckets <laughs> Because it was the only thing that I knew mm -hmm. would separate. Oh, no. I would it would separate him from like every other murderer. And I was like, okay, this is what I'm gonna do. And then also another disclaimer. I didn't. The two big podcasts. So and that's why we drink and um, Crime Junkie both are the two that I listen to. Um, and they told it 
kind of the same way and like a this happened and this happened and this happened and I kind of switched it up a little bit just because I didn't want somebody coming for my head that I was copying mm-hmm. the way they did it <laughs> so yeah. there is going to be yeah. a part where I'm going to like okay pause now we're going to start this part of the story and then we'll go back into it at the end but I'll let you know when we're pausing and so, going but it'll make sense it'll come all of our listeners it'll all make sense all of our listeners with ADHD are going to be having a hard time. No, it'll be good. I swear it'll all make sense when I'm done. And I was, because that's what I was doing. I was writing this and I was like, I don't know any other, like there's really only two ways you can kind of mesh it to put it together. And so I picked this way. Mm. So hopefully Mm. we're good. Cool. I don't think I needed to explain it, but for my own. Yeah, I get it. Self, I needed to. I do that while I'm tattooing and my clients are like, just, yeah, just do it. And I'm like, it's for me. I'm, yes, <laughs> I'm trying I'm like, to talk listen, out loud. If it makes you, whatever, <laughs> right? Yeah. <sighs> okay. So, um, Israel Keys was born on January 7th, 1978 to Heidi Keys and Jeff Keys in Richmond, Utah. We know about the Utahs, right? Mm-hmm. The religion that can be there. Yeah. So he was the second born, you know, those second borns, to 10 children. Hey, shout out. <laughs> to 10 children. Wow. That's a lot of kids. That's a lot. It is a lot. Uh, they were part of the Fundamentalist Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints. They were all homeschooled and they were all taught to be very religious. Mom was on another level. Mm hmm. They didn't really, I mean, dad was also obviously a part of it, um, but they didn't really talk about dad a lot, but it always just is like, mom, mom was, made me do this. Mom was very religious. Mom made me study this. Okay. So, I don't know. Mm-hmm. When Israel was five, they left the fundamentalist church and move church. I promise I'll learn to talk before this is over. <laughs> We're getting back into it. <laughs> Uh, they moved to a remote plot in um, Colville, Washington. So this the 48 hour that I was watching, they had um, people that knew them when they lived here. Mm-hmm. And she was like, no, it was specifically made to be completely off the grid, like completely secluded. They didn't want people just showing up there. And she even drove by and she goes, I think this is the driveway. But I don't, like, unless one of them took you there, you really didn't know where you were going. Okay. Hmm. So, obviously, they were completely isolated from society. Um, they lived in a one-room cabin with oh. 12 people. Oh, no, 12 people. thank you. There was no electricity, no running water, no TV, no radio, nothing. Hmm. In Washington, it gets... Yeah, Way below cool. 11 degrees in Washington. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, no. Um, she also said, too, that um, during the winter, you, there was no getting up or down to see, to get to the house. Like, if you were in the house, you were in the house. If you wanted to leave, you couldn't. If you wanted to get up there, you couldn't. Like, mm-hmm. you were stuck. Mm-hmm. Hard pass. Yeah, no thanks. Yeah. Mm-mm. A lot of the children were made to sleep in tents outside uh, because the cabin was so small. The children had to hunt 
chop wood and they would work for local farmers to make money. Um, so I guess the parents were just chilling at home and what it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. They went to a church called the Ark and Mm -hmm. per Wikipedia, it was, they practiced white supremacist Christian identity ideology. Right. So Israel described the church as Amish, an Amish-like environment. Uh, the family actually became friends with a guy named Shiv Kehoe. Kehoe? I don't know if you know who he is. Um, but they became with friends with his family, and he ended up being convicted of a triple murder in 1996. Wow. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. Uh, they ended up going to a diff- different church called Christian Israel Covenant Church. <clears throat> and they taught British Israelism. So this, I- I'm going to read the description on Wikipedia because I do not want people just assuming that I'm assuming what it is. Mm-hmm. It is, quote, belief that the people of Great Britain are genetically, racially, and linguistically the direct descendants of the ten lost tribes of ancient Israel. They also believe that a marriage between two races is one of the worst things that you could do. Oh, Jesus. Okay. The church believed that the Anglo-Saxons were the inferior race. So. What the Take with that what you would would like. Um, Israel said that this was like a militia. So even those those people from the TV show, they were like anybody could have turned anyone into a monster with the way that people were making you think. Mm -hmm. I mean, like he the one of the guys was like they were making you believe that anything anybody that wasn't white was not human or right. like an alien or not real. Like, wow. and so I'm like, yeah. hmm, that's great that's to teach children. Horrible. Yeah. Yeah. As a hobby growing up, Israel said that he would hunt anything with a heartbeat. Hmm. Um, he said he skinned, skinned a deer alive and told everybody at church. So I guess what he did was he shot the deer and it didn't die. And so he went ahead and gutted it when it was still alive. Oh my God. After he, um, after that, all the kids at the church kind of avoided him and didn't want to be around him. And they Mm kind of said that like he, they made him feel really uncomfortable. One of the girls said that, um, anytime that he was around, it made her skin crawl. Mm -hmm. Hate it. His other hobbies included shooting neighbors' houses with BB guns, starting fires in the woods, and breaking into people's houses. Hmm. You know, just you know, what kids do. As you, you know. do. Mm-hmm. He would sometimes break in, or he used to break into people's houses with other kids, and then they stopped with him because he ended up shooting an animal. He would steal people's guns out of their houses. And one time, I shouldn't laugh at this. One time his parents found the guns 
and made him take them back and apologize. Okay. Wow. <laughs> <clears throat> so. Okay. Fun. Um, he would sell the guns to adults in town. He's a child. But mm-hmm. they said that he, by the age of 14, he was 6'2". Okay. And so a lot of people mm-hmm. said he didn't look like a child. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay, so they had their tiny-ass cabin that they have 12 people living in already. Mm-hmm. They decided mm-hmm. to house another family, some of their family friends, to give them shelter. What? Okay. How? Yeah, I, where? I don't know. Yeah. You can you can live outside of my house. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right? You can live in the tents and my kids can come inside. Like, you exactly. know? Yeah. 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 Oh my gosh. Um, so in front of the son and the daughter of the family and his sister, Isaac did something really bad to a cat. I'm not going to talk about it. It's not good. No, don't want to hear it. You can Google it. Mm-hmm. It's on yeah. Wikipedia if you would like to know. Um, he apparently laughed after, uh, it happened and the son ended up throwing up. Mm. Um, after that, he realized that he's not like other kids, like stuff that he thought was normal. Mm-hmm. Mm. The other kids did not think was normal. So at that point right. he started hiding his anti-social quote behavior to himself and he just kept kept to himself was quiet that was that Mm -hmm. his mother again i shouldn't laugh at this but his mother at this time started seeing troubling signs with him and she said he was turning or he was tuning into various radio stations and different things so what that's what made him that's troubling it's against the church Uh, yeah yeah, made it he was okay Okay. Very, very troubling. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Jeez. Israel was a great carpenter. So by the time of 16, he was the one who built their wooden cabin. He did it. Okay. Mm-hmm. A 16 year old. Wow. Yeah. Um, he started working for a Colleyville um, contractor in 1995 when he was 17. Okay. He always went out of his way to make his family happy. Like, he really wanted his parents to be proud of him. Mm-hmm. And he kept these journals starting at really young where he had he would write scripture in it. And then every day he would write sins um, that he was upset that he was feeling or doing or whatever. And one mm-hmm. of them was um, lusting after his girlfriend. Which I'm like... You're a teenager. Mm-hmm. That, that's like, yeah. Uh, you know, I um, whatever. It's it's normal, yes. but in that type of like religion, ridiculously yeah. religious it's place, a big no no. It's yeah, everything's a sin. I know. I just I hate it. So sad. The family ended up moving to Smyrna, Maine. Smyrna. Sorry, I don't know. Um, they collected <laughs> sap for maple syrup production in a mostly Amish community. Hmm. So, as I remember, 
Key's mother was very religious and they were not allowed to watch movies. They weren't allowed to play instruments because it was mm-hmm. against God. So a lot of them would sneak off to their friends' houses to go watch movies. And yep. during all of that kind of craziness, um, Israel decided to tell his parents that he was an atheist. Oh. So he oh, he was very religious before, you know, he had his journal. Mm-hmm. And then he during all this, he kind of decided that he didn't believe in this and he decided to tell his parents, I don't want to do this anymore. Um, it caused a really big fight and the parents kicked him out of the house. Mm-hmm. Um, they also told their younger siblings to never talk to him again. So I had read in a couple places that his siblings kind of looked up to him. Mm-hmm. But there's no like definite answer or like anything like quoting from any of his siblings or anything about it. So maybe it just like made sense that you can't talk to him again, but then they were all really upset, right. you know? So right. I don't know. I was yeah. like, especially watching him <clears throat> kill a cat in a very horrific way mm-hmm. in front of you, yeah. but you still, like, I don't know, whatever. I'm not, I don't yeah. know. Uh, soon after he started an interest in Satanism and he wanted to commit a ritualistic murder. Mm-hmm. So, cool beans. I was about to say Satanism is not <laughs> like again, whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay. <clears throat> That's why when I was talking about the other religions, I'm like, I'm just going to read you what Google or what Wikipedia said, because I don't know enough yeah. about it to make any sort of anything about it. So I'm just yeah. going to read you mm-hmm. what it said. In July of 1998, he joined the army. He went through a course to become a United States army ranger, which apparently is a very, like rigorous thing to become Mm -hmm. again. Don't ask me anything about the army or anything. I don't know. He was stationed at many places. He stayed at Fort Lewis, Fort hood. And at one point he did end up going to Egypt for a little bit. He was um, part of the fifth infantry, 25th infantry division. Again, don't ask me what that means. Okay. Good for him. I know some of those. <laughs> I know what division means. I know what 25th means. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, his army friends said that he was really quiet and he kept to himself. They said he drank a lot on the weekends. His favorite drink was wild turkey bourbon. Wild turkey. Ooh. Comma bourbon. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm not a big, big bourbon fan. I asked Richard because Richard was sitting, or sitting next to me when I was doing this. And I was like, do you like wild turkey bourbon? Like, give him a look, like, yeah, murder. Mm-hmm. And he was like, he's like, I don't think I've ever had it. And I was like, good, you're not ever going to try it. <laughs> um, they also they said he also loved hip-hop and the Insane Clown Posse, and it was all over his, all the things were all over his uh, room. That brings back memories. Yeah, it does. <laughs> Didn't they become, like, ooh, ooh. like totally religious, too? ICP, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. like yeah, I think they like totally changed and like became really religious or something. Yeah. So in 2000, he ended up having a daughter with his then girlfriend. Um, him and that girlfriend broke up, and then in February of 2001, 
he was arrested for driving under the influence. So pretty much after all that, I wrote a bunch of stuff down. Doesn't matter. They um, honorably discharged him mm, because of that. Okay. So um, after that, he moved to Nabay, Washington. And then in 2007, his 10-year-old daughter and his new girlfriend moved to Alaska. And he started a construction business. Um, he was well known. He, I mean, he lived there for a very long time. Um, all of his neighbors knew him, trusted him. They would give you, they would give him his their keys to their house and go, "Oh, can you go fix this?" Mm -hmm. And while they're at work, like, wow, he mm -hmm. was just, you know, a great dude. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> okay, now we're gonna hit the middle. So we're gonna break on that story, and I'm gonna start a newish one. Okay. So on February 1st, 2012, an 18-year-old, Samantha Cohing, was working. She worked at a little coffee kiosk. Not a kiosk. It was like, you know, those little standalone buildings that's just a drive-through or you can just walk. You know, like the snow cone stand. That's what it looked mm -hmm. like yeah. when I saw a mm -hmm. picture of it. Yeah. Um, so she was there working and her boyfriend was supposed to pick her up after work. He got there to get her and she wasn't there. So just remember these little things. Like it was just her working. Nobody else was there with her. Mm -hmm. um, he called and called and called her and there was no answer. And then a few hours later, he got a text from her saying that she had went on vacation. She needed a break. She was going away and she was, she was going to be gone for a week. So this was completely out of character for her. Nobody believed that she really went on some random vacation Mm -hmm. um, right. And then the next morning, a missing, a missing persons was placed for her. Um, FBI investigators looked at the surveillance camera and saw that at 8 p.m. that night, a masked man walked up to the window. She was seen. She puts her hands up in the air. Mm -hmm. She turns around to turn the light off. Um a man crawls into the window and then you see two people walking out of the building together. So once she turns the light off, cause it's 8 PM, it's dark. Like you can't really see much. Like you can see a big black <coughs> figure coming into the window. And then you see two black figures walking out, but you can't make any, like you can assume, okay, that's Samantha. Really. Okay. That's the guy, but you know, you can't see anybody. Right. All right. So signs went all over. Please help me find Samantha. Where's Samantha? I need her back. She had a $41,000 um, reward placed on her. If anybody could help find her. Um, her dad went on the TV. You know, mm. it was really sad. He was saying stuff like, I don't know if she's eating. I don't know if she can sleep. I hope she's being taken care of. Oh. I was like, of course. Like, what a dad thing. Like, I'm just yeah. like, is she yeah. eating? Is she sleep? Like, yeah. just oh, so sad. Um, her boyfriend was quickly ruled out as a suspect and um, all of her family. Like, they had no suspects. They had no idea, no nothing. They have nothing to go off of. Hmm. Uh, ten days later, there was a vigil held for Samantha. And then on February 24th of 2012, Samantha's boyfriend receives a text message from Samantha's phone. 
and it says Connor Park sign under pick of Albert ain't she purdy what hmm. yeah so okay. <clears throat> him and all the family go to this park they find uh, it's like a big wooden sign and there was a missing dog poster of a dog named Albert under the sign was a plastic bag that had a couple papers in it so they obviously don't touch it and they call the police inside the bag there was a picture of Samantha um, with a newspaper dated February 13th and a really long drawn out letter that um, was asking for them to deposit 30k into her into Samantha's bank account Mm-hmm. Um, her dad transferred 5k into her account and then a few hours later the card was used to withdraw money mm-hmm. the police rushed to the ATM and he's gone so they had like just yeah. missed him by minutes right the ATM camera shows a man. He was in all dark clothing. His face was covered and his hands were covered. So, I mean, they couldn't see anything. They couldn't tell what race he was. They couldn't tell anything. Mm-hmm. Anything. Yeah. One week later, on March 7th, there was another ATM withdrawal 4,000 miles away in Wilcox, Arizona. Wow. Okay. Mm. Far away. Um, another was drawn shortly after in Lordsburg, New Mexico, and then it's either Humble or Umble, y'all might know, Texas, and then again in Shepherd, Texas. So at this point, they know he's headed east, and he's mm-hmm. on I-10. That's how he's getting east. Mm-hmm. So they let all police officers know that's going to hit, like, that he's going to hit on I-10, we got somebody we're looking like you need to keep an eye out. Mm-hmm. He, when he was right. in New Mexico, the um, bank security camera, so not the ATM, but the security camera caught him walking into a white Ford focus. Okay. I know that was in Arizona, not New Mexico in Arizona. So they know, okay, this man has a white Ford focus. He's stuck and he's on this road. Like we've got to keep an eye out. I feel like that's, yeah. that's one of those, you know, like when you get an Amber alert and it's mm-hmm. like, a black Nissan Rogue or whatever. And I'm like, mm-hmm. and I will like, look, I'm like, oh my God, it's a Nissan Rogue. Oh my God, it's it's a black Nissan. Yeah. Like, I feel like there's so yes. many, it's so hard. Yeah. So I'm like, I always feel for like police officers where they're like, okay, you need to find a white Ford Focus. I'm like, okay, the mm-hmm. 800 million that there are out here. <laughs> exactly. I'm sure there was more to it than just a white Ford Focus. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so on March 14th, a state trooper sees a car parked in a hotel parking lot that matches the car's description. So he sits and waits. The man ends up walking into the car and drives off. And the state trooper follows him. Mm-hmm. The second that white Ford Focus goes over the speed limit, he pulls him over. Yeah. And um, he asks for his, his ID He gives it to him, and it is 
is real keys. So just another thing Two different. This is why I hate reading so many. Sometimes I'm like, I'm just going to read Wikipedia and that's it. But yeah. some of it, read, some of it said that this all happened in Shepherd, Texas. And then other parts said Lumpkin, Texas, mm-hmm. which are pretty much right by each other. But yeah. I, whatever, one of those places in Texas. So they knew they had this guy, like they knew he had something to do with Samantha because in his car was Samantha's ID, her debit card, and a mask that had matched all the ones from the ATM camera. (laughs) Two weeks after he was arrested, he was sent back to Anchorage, Alaska. While he's there, he's getting questioned, obviously. Mm -hmm. And they realize that he asks for stuff and then he'll give them information. So he asked for an Americano from Starbucks, a Snickers bar and a very specific kind of cigar, Hmm. which is weird. Weird. And when I was watching the interviews with him, they kept asking him like, are you hungry? Do you want some food? And he'd be like, Oh no, thank you. And then they'd be like, Oh, I have a candy bar. It's in the refrigerator. And then he'd start laughing And, um, the investigators later were like, you know, we had to be his friend. We had to make him think that like we were his buddies and we had to be chummy with them. And, and I'm like, I hate Mm -hmm. that. Like, again, one of those things that don't ever ask me to do, like, I would immediately go in and be like, look, you fucker. Like, you know, (laughs) I would have such a hard time just, you know, you just imagine how they feel when they're having to do that. Like how they feel. I know. Exactly. And then whenever he starts talking, I'll tell you about it in a minute but whenever he starts talking and then you just have to be like yeah that's crazy yeah. so crazy right you when really because i'd be like excuse me what what did you is this real life <laughs> did you just start a podcast what Okay, so he gets his Starbucks, he gets his Snickers bar, and he gets his cigar. Um, and then he starts talking. So he says what happened was he walked up to the window, he ordered a coffee, she hands him his coffee, and he points a twenty two caliber gun at her and tells her to turn the light off. Um, he crawls into the window, and here's another one of those. It's in one place, it's not in another place. But he stuffed napkins in her mouth and tied her hands together. Mm. Um, And then he started walking her to his truck. On the way to his truck, she ran away. She... Out. Mm -hmm. Uh, He was able to chase her down, caught her, and told her, like, I'm just trying to get ransom money. That's all I'm trying to do. I'm not going to hurt you. Like, please stay calm. I promise you, once I get this money, you're going to go. <clears throat> um, he took her phone because you can trust the guy to just right. talk after you. Yeah. <laughs> fine. I'm just gonna shove all this in your mouth. Yeah, and it'll be it's okay. fine. Yeah. <clears throat> so he took her phone and her keys, and then around two a.m., he moved her into his tool shed and tied her, um, tied her up around her neck. So he put a rope around her neck and then screwed the two pieces of the rope into the wall behind her. Mm -hmm. 
So after he does that, so the whole time he's got a radio, he's got a radio, uh, like a police scanner on. Mm-hmm. So even when he's driving with her, right next to him, a police officer pulls up. And he's like, damn. Mm-hmm. But he's got the radio scanner on. He knows that they're not looking for anybody. Like there's no, yep. no anything about a missing teenage girl or anything. So he just is cool and then just keeps going. Um, And he tells her too, when he gets to the shed, he said, I have to go inside. I have this scanner on. If I hear anything about my neighborhood or someone yelling in my neighborhood or police officers coming to my neighborhood, I'm going to kill you. And then he turns up like metal music in case she does start yelling. Nobody will hear it. Mm -hmm. So it's two o'clock in the morning. He walks into his house with this girl that he just kidnapped in the shed to go check on his daughter and his girlfriend and go make sure that they're asleep. And I was looking at the pictures of this, of his house, and it's not like he's got a big old plot of land and, like, here's his house and, like, his shed's over here. I mean, like, his shed and his house are right next to each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. <clears throat> so, he goes and checks on them and he grabs some wine and goes back to the shed. And he sits in the shed watching her drinking his wine and tells her, I'm going to rape you and I'm going to strangle you with that rope around your neck. Mm. What the fuck? <clears throat> so he does. Rapes her, strangles her. And then he goes inside, packs bags for his family, and they go on a Caribbean cruise. And he leaves her oh in his shed. Oh my god. Holy fuck. <clears throat> um, so when the investigators asked her asked them like why that coffee cart, why did you go there, why her? And he just said that was the one that was open late. Mm. So at that point they knew like it had nothing to do with her. Like it was just right. opportunity. Which is always the scariest to me. I don't know mm-hmm. why, but that just scares yes. me more than like, I need somebody that's like late teen brown hair, you know, then. Mm-hmm. So he returns two weeks later and that's when he posted the ransom note and texted her boyfriend. And he said he drove around 35 miles north to Mantensuka, Mananuska Lake. He cut a hole in the lake to go ice fishing. And when he was there fishing, he would drop parts of her body weighted down into the lake. And then Uh. he would go home and eat the fish that he caught. Mm. So it was a total of three visits um, to dispose all of her into the lake. So here's what I have to keep in mind. She died the day he kidnapped her, like hours after. Mm -hmm. And they got a picture of her alive on the 13th. So days after she died. Mm. Or a week. I don't remember. It was like two weeks, I guess. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He braided her hair, put makeup on her. And 
sewed her eyelids open with fishing tape or fishing stuff and put the holds up the newspaper and takes a picture. Newspaper. Oh my god. So that picture has never been like public. Like no one's ever seen it, but they yeah. did do like a recreation of it, and it just looks so creepy. Like I know it's not real because I know the per- the girl in the picture is alive, right. but it's still mm-hmm. just like it's the creepiest thing. And like I don't know if her parents actually saw that picture or maybe because you know they didn't open the bag; they just right. gave it to police. <clears throat> Could you yeah. imagine thinking, "Oh, my daughter's alive," and then you yeah. find out that that picture that you saw of her, she's dead. She's been dead the whole time. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. It's horrific. So they, uh, divers worked for about 10 hours and they finally were able to recover her body. Mm -hmm. Um, And investigators knew at that point, like this wasn't his first time killing. There's no way that Mm -hmm. all of this was his first time. Uh, He told them that he was two different people. And so the investigators asked him, well, how long have you been to people? And he laughed and said, a long time, 14 years. And so they knew at that point that he had been a serial killer for 14 years. Yeah. And they had no idea. Like, he wasn't on anybody's radar. Yeah, No one knew anything yeah. about this man. He wasn't even being watched. All he had on his record was the... Um, DUI that he had. DUI. Mm. That's it. Yeah. Nothing. And everybody, all of his neighbors, he's such a good guy. I would oh be interested. One of the DAs that were on this case, one of his co-workers said, yeah, I hired him to do work for me. Like he just, mm. everybody knew him. Yeah. And he traveled a lot. He had gone to Washington, California, Wyoming, Texas, Vermont, and Canada. And they believe that he could have murdered people in all of those places. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, he told them, I will tell you every gory detail of every murder if you give me an execution date. Okay. He didn't want to live the rest of his life. And he... He, in the interview, he says, I want to die now. I don't want to, I don't want to waste away in prison. I'd rather die now while I have happy memories. Because you deserve that and all. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, They told him the more people that he had killed and they are willing and he's willing to tell them about, the more likely they will impose the death penalty on him. But obviously they can't. To be like, oh yeah, here, sign this. This says you'll die this day. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So he really didn't want to give them any information without any guarantee of the death penalty. Over seven months after he was arrested, he did a total of 24 interviews with investigators. So they weren't all the same. Some were different. Um, a little while later, he did say he would give them two bodies and a name, Bill and Lorraine Couriers. They had gone missing June of 2011. 
he flew into Chicago and started heading east. So this trip was scheduled. So a lot of his like traveling was for his construction or his um, carpenter business. Mm-hmm. But this trip yeah. in particular was, he knew he was going to murder somebody. He didn't mm-hmm. know who or where, but he want, he that's yeah. what he was going to do. Um, he was at a hotel in Essex, Vermont, and he dug up a bucket that he had buried um, a few years before. So he would go to these certain places. Okay. Mm-hmm. They were um, an orange Home Depot bucket. He called them his kill cash, and he put everything in there that he would need to murder somebody. Yeah. Um, one of them had a silencer for a twenty-two, a woodstock for a twenty-two a plastic stock for a 22, a portion of a 22 rifle and a drum magazine and a lot of 22 caliber bullets were all in this bucket and he just buried them. And then I, hmm. which I'm also like, how do you remember where you buried this? Yeah. Especially years before. Right. Yeah. Um, investigators weren't able to find any buckets on their own in Vermont. Um, but he did tell them where they could find a weapon that he used in Vermont. And it was a homemade silencer. And they do believe that it could have been used to murder this couple. So he said he broke into their home, tied them up with zip ties, forced them into their car and drove to an abandoned house, um, where he shot bill courier with a gun and sexually assaulted and strangled Lorraine Courier. He then left them in the um, in the basement of the abandoned house. When, again, when they asked, why this couple? Why mm-hmm. did you pick them? And he said, well, I knew I wanted a couple. I knew I wanted an attached garage because it was easy to get in and out of. And he wanted a house that had no signs of children or pets, which is what this house had. So again, just opportunity, just because that's what he wanted. Yeah. Um, they were never able to find their bodies a few years or a few um, weeks after he had murdered them. The house was um, demolished and taken out to a landfill. Mm. Um, and they had spent, um, what was it? 10 to 11 weeks digging through the landfill, trying to find their bodies and they weren't ever able to find them. So I, you know, they have no, they have no proof of anything. I mean, they have proof for Samantha, but besides that, they're like, we, we, we can't find anything. Mm -hmm. Uh, All of the stuff they had, all the murder buckets that they, um, found nothing had anything to do with him on it. No fingerprints, no DNA, absolutely nothing. They were able to find one thing that had his right thumbprint on it. Hmm. And they, in the interview I was watching and she, she tells them, she said, yeah, we were able to find one thing. It had your right thumbprint on it. And he goes, no, you didn't. She's Hmm. like, no. And he goes, are you kidding me? And she was like, no, I'm serious. And he goes, Wow, I'm impressed. He's like, I'm disappointed in myself, but I'm impressed with you guys. And I was like, Damn. Oh wow. my God. 
Ugh, makes me so mad. The cockiness. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. And it was, and then, you know, they were talking about, they, he just loved, he wanted to tell people. Like, yep. he just loved it. And he, he would, like, tease them. Or he would he would talk about something, yeah. and then he'd be like, oh, I might tell you about those eventually. And then mm-hmm. would, that was it. It was the attention. Mm-hmm. So they believe that he killed a total of four people in Washington. And they spent eight years trying to find bodies or people that he might have murdered. Anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so they don't really know who was the first person he murdered or his first victim. There was a young girl named Julie Harris who went missing in Colleyville, Washington. Uh, you remember where he used to live with his mm-hmm. family. Um, she was 12 on March 3rd, 1996. She mm-hmm. was a special Olympic athlete. She had um, two prosthetic feet. Uh, she went missing while she was waiting outside for a ride to church. Um, there was never any sign of her. Nothing. Uh, she eventually found uh, her prosthetic feet in the mouth of the Colleyville River. And then um, they, you know, he said, I had nothing to do with that. He said, I remember it kind of. He's like, I don't really remember the details of it, but I didn't. I, that wasn't me. I had nothing to do with that. And the mom seems to think that he was the one. And um, so, again, I'm going to take this with a grain of salt. But in the 48-hour episode, they said that they had talked to a family friends of um, Julie's. Mm -hmm. And they never talked to the police. So this isn't like a police thing. This is just what they told 48-hour. They said that there was a pool, like a, a... public pool and he and Israel was seen talking to her and she gave him her phone number and her address. Hmm. Weird. So again, take it with a grain of salt, but it it wasn't that upset. After something happens, people start remembering things Mm. and you, Mm -hmm. you never really know what actually happened. Yeah. Yeah. So after, his daughter was born. He said that he would never target children. Like something changed in him. And he was like, I will never hurt a child. That will be, I'm like, great morals, sir. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I'm glad it took your daughter, but whatever. But Julie was, went missing, um, before his daughter was born. So, so Mm. could have been him. Okay. Right. He, um, he said that his first attempt at murder was a 14-year-old girl in Oregon. She was tubing with her family or friends somewhere. He um, abducted her, raped her, and then let her go back on the raft. He said that everything about it seemed weird. She was scared, um, but she was just talking a lot. And she was talking about like random mm-hmm. stuff. And Hmm. so he just said it was just really weird. The whole thing was weird. So he let her go. And then he said that he would never let anyone go ever again. Hmm. And then like literally the next day went into the army. Yeah. So. Jesus. Um, Deborah Fellman 
was a woman that went missing in New Jersey in 2009. They found her name on his computer. Like he had like searched for her. Mm -hmm. Um, They showed him a picture of her and he apparently started acting really weird after that. And he was shaking really weird. Um, So they knew that he had something to do with her, but he, he would just say, no, no, I had nothing to do with that. Nope. I don't know her. Nope. No. But apparently he was just acting really weird about it right after he saw her picture and they asked him about her. And then when they were like, well, we found her on your computer. He's like, my computer? That wasn't my computer. No, no. Like it was just weird. And of course they have, they have no proof, no anything. It's, but they're pretty certain that he's the one who um, made her go missing. Uh, He had killed um, his little kill caches buried next to a river in Wyoming so they believe that there could be a victim in the river. He spent a lot of time in Canada. Um, they asked if he had killed anyone in Canada, and he said Canadians don't count. What the fuck? Wow. So I'm, I'm either thinking maybe this is that ideology that he was taught mm-hmm. um, when he was younger, or he doesn't want to tell them about the amount of people he killed in Canada. Maybe he didn't kill anybody in Canada. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Because then it's a different issue if he's going like to different countries. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, he spent, oh, I already said that. Uh, there, you know, they have no clue how many people he really killed. Um, and he, he was done. He said, I don't want to talk to you anymore. I'm done with this investigation. I don't want to live like this. And he killed himself in prison on December 1st, 2012. He used disposable razor to slit his wrist and then used his bed um, bedding to strangle himself. Oh my God. Um, investigators at that point were like, all of his secrets are now buried with him. Yeah. And yeah. we will never know truly how many people he killed any of that um a few days uh before he died they found 11 skulls that he had drawn on um paper with his own blood and they believe that that's maybe the amount of people that he killed mm-hmm. so they know for a fact samantha and then the couple so that's three and they're mm-hmm. almost positive about deborah Mm-hmm. So that leaves, what, seven more people that they're um, still investigating, mm-hmm. trying to figure out. Um, he did write a suicide note. Uh, they said it didn't really make a lot of sense. It was just a lot of, like, jabbering and a bunch of words, kind of. You know, they were really hoping that this was going to give them all the clues and all the answers. And he wrote down everything mm-hmm. in this letter, and it was it was just nothing. Um, so they said, if you are someone that knows anything about Israel Keys, um, travels, or you think that you might have a family member who has died because of Israel Keys, then to call the FBI and Mm. let them have that information. Um, I wrote fun facts again. I know 
totally inappropriate, but just, I didn't know what else to name it. Um, I right. just didn't have anywhere else to put it in here. Um, he was obsessed with serial killers. Obsessed. Like, he knew everything about all of them. And he said that he wanted to be just like Ted Bundy. Oh, and um, he even tried to escape the courtroom and broke his uh, ankle shackles. Just mm. like Ted Bundy did. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Good for you. Um, wow. Samantha Cowings, uh, it was like a family friend. She was in this episode that I was watching. Um, she, you know, she said, she said that was the worst day when they found out that he killed himself. Mm-hmm. She said, I would have rather he was executed. She said he won. she wanted him to stand trial and face what he did and have what he did because he was executed and not because he did it himself. Mm-hmm. But she said that um, the world is a better place without him in it. And, uh, yeah. Damn, so, again, there's all sorts of um, rabbit holes. You can go down with this story of who he might have killed, how he killed, um, where he might have other of his little... I call them murder buckets just because that's what pops into my head when I think about yeah. the story. Um, yeah where he might have some of those still buried and um yeah so go research it i mean you can i mean full 72 hours over here just heard like this little part yeah. of the story it took a really long time Jeez. um there's just a lot of information but it's you know it's crazy that is crazy I wonder, like, that one girl that he started acting weird about when they started asking him questions, I wonder if he, like, if he didn't do it, if he knew who did it. Yeah. Maybe. Well, and I was thinking, too, so you remember that one guy that they were family friends with that got, mm-hmm. um, that had gotten um, arrested for the triple homicide? Mm-hmm. I wonder if he's the one that murdered or abducted Julie, the little girl. Mm-hmm. because it, it, yeah. she went missing in 1996 which is when he got arrested so right i mean it very well could have been or maybe her also one of his victims that one was just like a really bad experience and so when they brought her up he like is like i don't, yeah. didn't want to talk about it because it sounded like yeah. he even because yeah. he said that with that little girl that he let go that it was it felt weird so it's all about a mm-hmm. feeling for him so it must have been yeah. it could have been bad I mean, mm-hmm. He still did yeah. it, but it could have been, you know, not what he wanted. <clears throat> right. Yeah. I mean, and it just, and um, the investigator said when he was talking about Samantha's murder and everything that he did to her, I mean, cause you have to remember his daughter and his girlfriend were right next door and he chopped up her body in that shed mm-hmm. to go um, dump it, dump it in the lake. Mm-hmm. They're right there. And, you know, yeah. and he said, too, like, he, that was kind of the thrilling part for him, that he was just two separate people. Like, he could turn it on and off. He would go murder somebody, mm-hmm. and then, then later that day would go um, have beers at the bar with his friends or go in the house with his That's wife. And funny. nobody knew anything. Nobody had any clue. I mean, nobody, he wasn't on anybody's radar for all these yeah. murders. Like, mm-hmm. nobody knew. Like, he was just... Israel Key is from Alaska. Nothing. He learned that when he was a teenager, when he was a kid, <laughs> because he realized he was he was not like other kids, and he had to hide yeah. it. Yeah, he had to be two different people. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Wow. It's uh, makes me 
sick to my stomach. And, and again, like all of his interview, not all of them, but a lot of them are on, you know, YouTube or whatever. And it's just watching him talk. And again, like the investigators, they have to go in there and be friendly. I mean, like they're laughing about, you know, like with the mm-hmm. thing. You found that? Oh, mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. impressing. I'm impressed by you. Yeah. I'm like, that's disgusting. That's horrible. Yeah. It's but they're disgusting. trained to do that, and they most of them do it very well. And I mean, props I know, to and them I'm like, I could never. Good for, yeah, good for you. <sighs> uh, uh, yeah, I every time I watch that, I I need to think of the name of it. Um, we are something. Anyways, um, it's a YouTube video uh, channel, and they do uh, videos of investigations, like interrogations of people, mm-hmm. and there's some of like. Like this fourteen-year-old kid that killed his parents, and he has like he's like crying the entire time, and then he breaks down, and like the people that are there with him are just like they're having to listen to this, and they're having to talk to him like nothing is wrong. Yeah. Like I can only imagine. I could. I could. Yeah. And and then having to go. I can't home. hide my facial features. Like, I know. In Mm-mm. general, Mm-mm. so yeah. <laughs> there's no way. Well, then it's like, and then going home. Like, how do you, you know, how do you turn it off? Isaac Keys can turn this on yeah. and off. Yeah. A normal human being. That there's no way, you know, you can't right. go home and not yeah. cry yourself to sleep because some fourteen-year-old is crying because he killed his parent. Like I. Mm-hmm. <sighs> disgusting so sad i know i mean somebody's gotta do it it makes me want to cry also like at a certain point he he grew up in like the the woods like in the sticks Mm -hmm. so it's normal for kids to want to go hunting and stuff like that Mm -hmm. so like what is the point where your parents are like okay something is actually wrong here yes and his parents never did anything even like when he was having fun by killing the the pets, like they just obviously weren't paying attention or didn't care, you know, Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. they were too worried about the, the religious right. side of everything. Right. Yes. Yeah. Uh, That's so well, well, good job. So. Thank you. That was hard. That was good. I've heard of those, those buckets before, but I, I've never, heard I've of not heard before. of the buckets, but I know the name. Yeah. Yeah, he's. I mean, it was 2012 when he died, so Mm -hmm. it wasn't that long ago. Mm -mm. What 11 years ago? What's today? Yeah, 12 years ago. Mm -hmm. 20. Yeah. What's today? Listen, all I know is that my watch says, "Look, it's." Can you see it? It is 10 degrees outside. (laughs) Oh my god! Oh my god! That's the important part. (laughs) Uh, Okay, but I do want to because I did have a lot of sources from this, and I did um, quote Wikipedia a lot. So I got a lot of this from Wikipedia, Murderpedia, um, the 48-hour episode called Mm -hmm. "Tracking the Murders of Israel Keys." Um, Let me scroll up. An ATI article called Inside the Grizzly Murder of Samantha Koning and the Horrifying Ransom Photo Her Killer Took. Scroll up. <laughs> um, um, a New York Post article called A Chilling Look Inside of the America's Most Infamous Serial Killer Cases. And then us. Yay. <laughs> I was like going through my tabs. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's us. Hello. <laughs> Dang. Oh. That was good. Wow. That's definitely the I like the ones that make you like really think. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I also... I mean, I don't like that, yeah. but I, I like... Yeah. And I hate, I hate that, like... When, one, we don't know how many people he actually killed. We're just assuming it's the 11 because mm-hmm. of the skulls that he drew. And two, mm-hmm. even if it was 11 people, we don't know who they all were. We really, truly only know three right. for sure. And then a guest couple more. Also, yeah. Also, what it like Canadians don't count. Does that mean that he murdered just a shitload That's of them? That's what I was thinking. Could, could have been. That's why I'm maybe thinking. assumed because it's a different country that he's like, can't get in trouble for those or <sighs> yep. something. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Know. Or he just didn't want the, the investigation to go any mm-hmm. further. Yeah. Which makes sense. Well, it would have been way longer. You know, he was, he was done. He was like, I just want to die already. And also... Exactly, yeah. I was debating about putting this in here or not. He didn't want his daughter to know anything. Oh, wow. Like he didn't, he didn't want her to know anything. He kept saying like, just don't, don't put this in the newspaper. Don't post this. Like, don't, I don't want to be on TV. Like I don't, he didn't want her to know anything. And I'm like, does he not know? I'm like, right. Have you met Ted Bundy (laughs) who you're so obsessed with? Yeah. Right. Yeah. But he didn't want to, he didn't want her to know anything. And uh, so that, which I'm sure she didn't want to know anything either. No. So that's also hard too. Cause you're like, he must've been a, I mean, I'm assuming, I don't know. I'm assuming he was a good dad. If, if everybody had yeah. no idea that this was him. Right. Yeah. And like what a good right. neighbor and stuff he was. Mm-hmm. And then to be like, oh yeah, by the dad, oh, by the way, your dad's killed like 11 people. Like, oh, and that, that, okay. That hits different in your home too. I, yeah, I was on TikTok a few days ago, and this girl—I didn't—I didn't like go down the rabbit hole or anything. But this girl was like, "These are the podcasts that have uh, covered my mother's murder this week," and I was like, "Oh, okay." So I watched it just to make sure we weren't on there. Yeah. But it, it, so I don't. I don't ever think about things like yeah. that. Yeah, but I it's, there is it's weird to see the other side of it. There is one that I've watched. Who was she's? It was one like that, and they were like, "These are all the podcasts that we've that my mom's been mm-hmm. mentioned on, or whatever." Or my sister, or for, mm-hmm. I forgot, but it was because they didn't have a killer yet or a murderer yet. They didn't have her murder wasn't solved, and so oh, she was okay. putting it on there like, "Listen to this. Please go watch these. Like, please listen and see if you can help me figure out." who mm. murdered my mom or my, I don't even remember who it was. So it could have been that, See, but yes, it is also, yeah. yeah. I couldn't imagine. Oh my gosh. My computer just, in, where it said it was 11 degrees. It says current temp breaks record. I mean, <laughs> yeah. God. I but that. anyway, sorry, not to like, I just was like, if I don't say something, now, I'm going to forget. Um, I mean, that would be really hard. I couldn't imagine, like, if something happened to one of our family members and then everybody's talking about it and it's all over mm-hmm. everything. Mm-hmm. So right. that's why I try to be respectful it's, about it. And I'm like, you exactly. know, and, yeah, but, you know, it's the only way you can, I guess. There's only so much we can do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just spreading the information, like you said, like, go listen to this. Like, spreading the information definitely helps. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, it gives people things to, to look out for and like signs mm-hmm. of what they need to be looking for, basically. Oh, yeah. Which a lot of people don't 
really think about, especially if it's someone in your family. Like you're like, oh, it's just that's just someone. he's just yeah. quiet. Yeah. He's just weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. He just doesn't like cats. Exactly. Like you know, yeah. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. See, I I have a I have a bad habit of doing shit like that. Like, um, we were at Disney World, and one of the kids was like staying away from the other kids and i mentioned to one of you guys and i was like have you had him tested like for autism or anything like that and eli was like sage it's not always like the craziest thing maybe he just doesn't want to hang out with the kids and i was like i mean you're right but still it's just it's where my brain goes because i think about this shit all the time so and especially too like in girls there's not a lot of autism studies you know a lot of it's based off of boys so it's hard to catch that and so you have to just be more diligent and i'll say stuff sometimes and i'm like do i just like am i just socially awkward do i have autism Mm -hmm. am i just weird all of the above like who knows yeah exactly yeah i'm definitely on the spectrum somewhere you could have, some, I mean, you could have tendencies, there, but who knows? you know, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think yeah. everybody in their own way sometimes can, but mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm just weird. Yeah. It's fine. We're not that being autistic is joke. weird. It's not weird. <laughs> I always make the joke. I was like, it's just a touch of the tism. <laughs> <laughs> I said that to a client and she's like, she has autism and she jokes about it a lot because it helps her kind of like deal with yeah. it. And I was like, oh, it's just a touch of the tism. And she looks at me and she goes, oh, my God. Do you have this um, fidget toy? Do you have this fidget toy? What's your safe food? And she starts asking me, like, <laughs> autism. And I was like, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. But I was like, I do have, you know. Anyways, it was a long conversation. So, it was really story, cool, though. That... Long story short, let's not make fun not make fun of not like we're making fun of autistic people but let's not make it as a joke (laughs) no no exactly yeah yeah and after after i said that to her i was like i need to stop doing Mm -hmm. this because i i can't Mm -hmm. i yeah it was wild and a lot of a lot of people like you would never guess that they're Mm -mm. autistic no like just no idea it's because it, autism doesn't have one face. It's mm-hmm. all, it's completely fucking different for everybody. And, and since there is a spectrum, so there's many different levels, right? Yeah, which like, would make it so oh, yeah, hard absolutely. to diagnose too. That mm-hmm. too, and that right. alone, you're like, I don't yeah. know if that's just, they're just a picky eater or if it's, if mm-hmm. they're autistic, if, you know, I'm sure there's a lot more to it than just that. But, you know, I just, that's, ugh. again, Another thing I would not want to be, I would not want to be a doctor because I would not want no, to And we are not no. experts. No, that stuff. And we don't claim to no, be. Not even close. Don't even ask no, me. Don't. <laughs> I don't want to no. be a firefighter. I don't want to be a police officer. I don't want to be any sort of FBI investigation, anything. I don't want to mm. be a doctor. <laughs> no. Don't want to. I'm good on that. Well, good first story from my back. computer and talk about Home Depot buckets. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Oh my god. That was a good story for our first yeah. one. Yeah. Thank you. I've been wanting to do this one for a hot minute. I just knew it was going to take a while to read through everything and watch all the videos and listen to all the podcasts and stuff. And so we had, you know, it's a, a long of... break. So I figured I'd go mm-hmm. ahead and do it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot of information. Yes. It was good. Thank you. 
So if anybody does know anything about this, let us know. We want to hear it. Yes. We want to know. We love all the information. If there's something, Mm -hmm. obviously, again, I didn't put every single detail of everything in here, but let us know. Oh, yeah. Did you know that he also did this? Oh, yeah. They found a murder bucket in Lumpkin, Texas last week or something. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What are we gonna name this episode? That's so, and people Order are like it? still finding <laughs> yes. these. Um, you know, I think so. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I don't know if they found them. I don't know if he told them where they all were, or um. But again, he I mean, he would hide these like years in advance. So he would go to yeah. he'd go to Wyoming, bury one for work, come back home a couple years later, be back in Wyoming, dig up his murder bucket. Okay. It also, like you said earlier, how do you, how does he remember where it is? Yes, maybe he's got it like a whole. Like, I can't. Like it's a good planner. Got like a map. I'm just like a planner yeah. or like a map, and that he's got printed mm-hmm. out, and on the top of it, he like in really pretty letters wrote murder bucket. Murder <laughs> bucket. <bubble letters. laughs> Location one <laughs> with like stickers and yeah. stuff on it. <laughs> he's got like the cute little Home Depot bucket, like his little stickers. <laughs> just, like, oh my stickers. god. Oh my gosh. Uh, okay, that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> that's so fucked up, but yeah, actually. All right. We're so funny. Hopefully, someone. All right, well, Storm, where can they find us if they want to hear more of our bullshit? We are on Facebook, Three Siblings Walk Into a Bar. We are on Instagram at Three Swip Podcast. Um, go on there, like, comment, um, talk to us about whatever episode you just listened to. If you have any questions, anything like that. Um, also, please rate and review. It's super helpful for us, especially on Apple, because they are super picky about sharing, unless they have a lot of reviews. And yeah, watch us on the tube. Oh, the tube. I yes, keep forgetting about too. the tube. <laughs> yep. You can come see all my junk. Right. Look at all my cricket stuff. <laughs> <Yay>. <laughs> well, that's what happens when three siblings walk into a bar. <laughs> <laughs>